ETL Echo presents Variations on Intimacy by Ice Power 55. Trigger warning. Mentions of an eating disorder. Imagine you meet a boy during May, the confusing month when summer weather assaults spring sensibilities. You're living at home, a brief interlude before the next part of your life starts. It's late when his face pops up on your phone, and the cut of his jaw gives you momentary pause. Blonde, pale, blue-gray eyes, unsmiling. In his profile picture, his eyes pull together. Pink lips pursed in a pout. You swipe right and think nothing of it. There are men that you will date, and men that are nice to look at. A momentary spark of dopamine before bed, nothing binding. You already know which category he falls into. But then he messages you. The password is 87ASKFHAKGH. You appreciate the initiative and the originality, but you hate feeling outside of the joke, and his message feels like a litmus test for your creativity. Password to your heart? It's not your best work, but the little ellipses has already alerted him to the fact that you're typing. The only thing worse than a cliched message is an overthought one. It's the Wi-Fi for when you're staying over. Your brows pull together now, lips pulling down, both at his grammatical error and his crudeness. What part of your profile suggests that you would even stay over? And what if I snuck out after you fell asleep? Ha ha, very funny. I could tell you'd love that idea. The idea of sneaking out? More so the Wi-Fi. Sneaking out, that's very mysterious, Hermione. I'm full of mystery. You hate that you fall into the rhythm of flirting so easily nowadays, that it's been so long since you've dated someone that you hunger for the brief digital connections your fervid swiping brings. I can tell. What else can you tell about me? That you would love to go out for drinks with me tomorrow night. His boldness makes you smile at first, before the essence of his words hit you. It's only Monday, which makes you wonder about his career, the type of person he is if Tuesday night is so open. Does he have that much free time? You don't. You have things to accomplish during the week. Errands to run, mentors with whom to reconnect. How about this weekend? Hmm, I could probably do Friday night. A pause here as he types. You don't have any nights free during the week? You do, but you wish you didn't. You want to be someone whose week is so busy, instead of someone who's living at home with her parents, trying to reconfigure her life. Possibly Thursday? You wait a beat before hitting send. You exchange numbers, both eager to get off the application. Later that night, when he texts you, you smile, unwittingly. Imagine that on your first date you spend over an hour getting ready. Loofing, shaving, moisturizing, you stand in front of the mirror, naked, turning this way and that, vowing that you won't go home with him, but sliding your fingers over your bikini line to check for stray hairs. Just in case. You slide gel into your hair, try to tame your curls into something manageable, and give up. In your group chat with your friends, you send them a photo and say, Do I look like an au pair? The sundress you picked out makes you think so. Something about the neckline. The modest black silhouette. You wear an aubergine cardigan over its spaghetti straps and immediately regret it when you step into the heat of the train. He is twenty minutes late and shows up with a bandage on his chin. Sorry, he says, slightly out of breath. I cut myself shaving. When you hug him, he tenses, and you realize your mistake. Is this a hugging scenario? A handshake? Have you broken the touch barrier too early? He pats you on the back. Two short, choppy motions, the way one would greet a friend of a friend. And your cheeks flare with heat. The restaurant he picks is also, apparently, a club and he has trouble hearing you over the loud bass. A DJ wearing a fedora stands in the corner, fingers flying over his keyboard. The mini chandelier in the center of the room drips light onto his face, accentuating the height of his cheekbones. Your attraction to him feels charged, a magnetic quality you know has to be lust. You stay past the allotted two hours you've penciled him in for in your planner. You stay past when the train stops running. You stay until last call, after the liquor has fizzled out of your system. He invites you to his place, and on the short walk over, he tries to make a conversation. Have you ever heard about the trope of The Bachelor? An apartment with two armchairs, a TV. And a flickering lamp. He grins wide. 
the type of smile you haven't seen from him yet. I'm giving you fair warning. I just moved, so my apartment is rather bare. You're impressed by the green color scheme, the mahogany accents. The interior is not nearly as austere as he led you to believe. You're staring at his bookshelf, cataloging the different authors he enjoys when he comes up behind you. The first time he kisses you, there's no jolt in your stomach, no spark against your lips. The moment isn't earth-shattering, but he feels solid and warm under your fingers. He touches your face, fingers sliding into your curls. His lips feel familiar, and the kiss is a little too wet and a little hurried, teeth clashing together, but it also feels real. Here you are. Here he is. You fall into his bed, and afterwards, he pulls you to his chest. And it's not what you came here for, this strange tenderness, his fingers drifting up and down your back, your thigh splayed over his, but you'll allow it. And then you untangle yourself two hours later, call a cab, and try to forget about him. Imagine you don't expect to hear from him again, but then you get a text the day after, and a sporadic exchange develops. He messages you in the way a bot would, with a formality at odds with his insouciance. When you see him again, you wear a shorter black dress and note the way he stares at your legs. You talk about innocuous things, trade stories about past relationships before the conversation deepens. You pelt him with questions. Are you pro-choice or pro-life? Have you ever made a girl cry? What are your thoughts on the gender pay gap? Have you ever been in love? And you are tentatively fascinated by his sheer forthrightness, the way his face tenses before he answers, how his mouth contracts before answering, so you know he's telling the truth. When the waiter clears your drinks, he says, Ready? And you're not sure how to feel about his confidence, the way he seems sure you'll go back with him. When you end up at his apartment again, you think about the other girls who have sat where you're sitting, who have felt his hand on their knee, fingertips straying up their thigh. The kiss is softer, more tentative. You think about the video you watched once, a compilation of kissing tips for men. Women will kiss you the way they want to be kissed, the announcer said, and you laugh into his mouth when you realize he's mirroring you. He holds your hand and nudges you up from the couch, leads you into his bedroom. There's laughter, rolling around. His arm there, yours under him, your face against his chest, his palm on your cheek turning you towards him. He traces a constellation against your ribcage, and you watch as goosebumps rise in tandem with his touch. On the fourth date, you ask him, Are you happy? He looks up at the ceiling, amusement pulling at his lips. He told you earlier that you ask the strangest questions. You're interesting he had said, and you smiled and couldn't help yourself from adding, That's why you like me, isn't it? The silence between you feels familiar. I don't know, he says. Mostly I think I am. And you trust him a bit more then. You respect his ambivalence, the tacit acknowledgement that he doesn't know if he's where he needs to be right now. Are you? he asks. His bedroom feels smaller then, and your lungs have to work a bit harder as you process the question. His fingers tap dance down your spine, tethering you to the question to the moment. No, you admit. But sometimes it feels like it. Imagine you develop a routine with him. Once a week, a couple of hours. You learn things about his childhood, his family, his job. You make him laugh, a real laugh, and you make sure he knows you provoked that in him. You spend ten minutes one night trying to figure out if he's ticklish, fingers skittering over his ribcage, the downy hair on his thighs. You've come to expect messages from him, have given him his own text tone in your phone. You tell yourself it's because you like routine, like the certainty of knowing what your plans are for the week, but sometimes you find yourself wondering what he's up to, who he's with, how his day went. When you're together, time warps, hours running into one another. You disagree, you debate, you judge him for his lack of female friends and his soulless career. One night, he tells you about college, about hazing in his fraternity, 
He senses your disgust and tries to backtrack. A fraternity is also a networking opportunity. Many successful politicians and entrepreneurs were all part of a fraternity. And you don't like hearing about this part of him, so you kiss him to shut him up. You ask him inappropriate questions because you can, because you're looking for an answer that will send you running. And sometimes you get close to that, but there are also other aspects of him that keep you around. You tell him your boundaries. Your careful, methodical approach to casual sex. Hound him on his latest STI results. You like that he doesn't make fun of you, that he nods instead and says, I understand. Fingers sliding under your chin. You like that you can't seem to scare him away, that your intensity interests him. You like that since you've already thrown all the hard questions at him, no conversation topic feels taboo. You ask him if he has rules for dating, if he's trying to keep you at a distance. You thread humor into your questions so he knows they're friendly, inquisitive, but not invasive. You want to understand the male psyche, how someone like Draco Malfoy navigates the minefield of dating and emerges unscathed. How do you keep from falling in love with someone if you sleep with them? He shrugs, carting his fingers through his hair. It's different for men, he says, and you snort. He pinches your shoulder, lightly. Evolutionary, you can imagine why it's different. You grimace. Chemically, it's really not that different. I don't believe that men are somehow inherently superior at separating their feelings from sexual activity. So I'm more interested in your individual situation. Weeks ago, he told you the number of people he'd slept with. The digit that made your eyebrows rise even though you knew that it shouldn't matter. That you're not exclusive, and that you shouldn't shame him for his sexual autonomy. He doesn't answer for a beat, so you trace his collarbone, press a kiss to his shoulder. You're not sure why you let this post-coitus charade go on so long, this languid tangle of limbs that stretches out your time together. You should get dressed, go home, but you're curious to hear what he has to say. I'm not always able to keep from feeling things, he says, his voice low, and he squeezes your thigh before adjusting your position, nudging your head right under his chin. Sometimes I can't help it. Sometimes he drops his revelations like this, awkwardly worded statements that sound confessional in tone, even if they aren't in meaning. Last week you poked fun at him for his voracious sexual appetite. You suggest he has a Rolodex of women he keeps around. You inquire about your position on his chart, if you're at least one of his favorites. It's lighthearted, teasing, but sometimes you wonder why you bring these topics up, if there's something you're asking between the lines. His brows pull together. You should know the answer to that, he says, and you go quiet. I would hang out with you even if we didn't do... Then he points between you, at the sheets rumpled under your bodies. This. Why? you ask. You can't help yourself. Because you're interesting, he says, and your chest warms before you look away. There are better adjectives he could have used, but Draco Malfoy is not the type of man to give out compliments, and interesting has connotative value in this context, you think. Sometimes, when you're lying in his arms, he'll stroke your cheek, fingers sliding to your head in a short tapping motion. The third time it happens, you tilt your head at him. Are you petting me right now? You touch his chin, sliding your thumb against his stubble. Like a dog? He laughs, embarrassed. Oh, I guess I did. And then he looks at you, and you smile at him, and you realize what you feel is comfortable. Imagine the sex isn't amazing, not like the Harlequin novels you read as a teenager. The kissing, the foreplay, these things get better and better. The way he touches you, how he slides his fingers past the lace waistband of your panties, how he grips your thighs, nails digging into that short space between pleasure and pain. Sometimes, pressed between your thighs, he sits up, and the lamp forms a halo behind his head, and you think of him as beautiful but the actual intercourse isn't there yet. So you tell him what you like. You show him. Touch me here. Put your hands here. Speed up. 
Slow down. You slide his hands up your body. Show him how to touch your breasts. Guide his mouth there. Moan when it feels good. Stay quiet when the pressure isn't enough. He learns. Presses his forehead against yours when he's inside you. Reaches down between your bodies to stroke the nerves that make your senses short-circuit. You learn from him, too. What he likes. Your nails on his back. Your mouth at the juncture between his neck and shoulder. When you moan his name, his hips jerk. When you stroke him, he watches you, tongue wetting the swell of his bottom lip. When he sinks into you, his eyes close, mouth parting. You touch his face, stroke his cheek. Kiss me, you tell him, and he stops mid-thrust and wraps his arms around your neck, lips finding yours. It makes you want to cry, so you close your eyes, thread your fingers through his hair. Afterwards, you stare at his ceiling, eyes tracing the thin cracks spidering into the center. Do you ever feel like we're just play-pretending at intimacy? He doesn't answer for a long while. No, he finally says. That's not what it feels like for me. Play-pretend. Imagine one night in his bed, he asks, Why are you still living at home? His tone is inquisitive, but not clinical. You freeze, and he senses the tension in your body, which makes him hold you a little tighter, thumb rubbing across the mole on your shoulder. I needed some time away from the city, you finally answer. When you look up, he's smirking at you, disbelief written in the parentheses around his mouth. Oh, are we lying tonight? I thought you had an honesty-only rule. You can't help but smile at his insouciance, but there's a pit in the middle of your throat, all the words lodged behind it. You look out the window, watch the lights flicker on and off in the building across from his. You haven't looked at your phone, but you can tell time has tipped into that liminal space where night begets intimacy in ways daylight won't. You've thought about telling him, not because you think he would say the right thing, but precisely because you know he won't have the right words. Draco Malfoy is not the type of man who will comfort you, who will sugarcoat what happened. Part of you is intrigued, interested in seeing his reaction. Will he turn away? Will he stumble over his words? Will he retreat, disappear from your life? I honestly don't think you want to have this discussion, you say. One last chance for him to backtrack. Try me, he says. Give me a shot here, Granger. So you tell him that he can't say, I'm sorry, or that sounds really hard. You tell him that he can't condescend to you, that he either has to stay quiet or change the subject if it gets to be too much. And then you tell him about the years you lost, how you perfected it, the science of starving. You don't tell him all the details, like how you stopped menstruating or how sometimes you'd lie awake in bed and dream about food, biting down into the smooth tissue inside your mouth, imprinting a ring of teeth marks. But you say, I had an eating disorder, and then one day it had me. You tell him how it dominated your life, branching into all the things you used to love, choking the joy out of your relationships. You tell him that you're getting better, and then you throw in a caveat. Eating disorders don't really get better the way you think, you say. It's never about the weight. It's about how you see yourself. About a lack of self-compassion. It's about... You shift, wanting to put more distance between your bodies. The heat of his skin scorches you when he presses you closer. Control, and wanting to... You trail off, and he stays quiet. When you look over at him, he's staring at you intently. Thank you for sharing that, he says, and the moment has become so ridiculous you start to laugh, which makes him laugh as well. You can tell he's trying, which should perhaps mortify you, but instead makes you relax a little. I've never told anyone I dated about that. Why not? I hate being vulnerable. The words come out in a rush, and before you even have time to be embarrassed, he's laughing again, which makes you laugh. I suppose, you say, after a pause to catch your breath, I don't want to see the way they look at me afterwards. The pity. And that sucks all the humor out of the conversation, makes your skin prickle. You curl towards him, pressing your cheek against his chest so you don't have to see his expression. He lays his palm against the back of your head, 
wraps his other arm around your body. You stay like that for a while, let the silence envelop you two. If you had told me that early on, he finally says, it still wouldn't have changed the way I see you. So you stay a little longer this time, let your eyes droop a few times, feeling the even rhythm of his breaths beneath your cheek. I admit, Malfoy, you whisper, I've grown rather fond of you. His palm warms your neck. I like spending time with you too, he says. And you swear you're going to get up and get dressed. That you had this moment with him, but it has to end. But instead, you linger. The world tumbles into darkness. When you wake, you see his eyes first, intent and serious, and then his smile before he kisses you. Imagine that your time with him is ending, that three months have passed and soon you have to move, a new city, new job, new friends. You remind him of this each time you see him. Watch the array of expressions break across his face before his mask falls back into place. Three weeks before you move, he tells you he hasn't slept with anyone since he met you. It's not a confession as much as a forced admission. You're having a conversation about safe sex. Do you trust your other partners? You ask. It's none of your business who he sleeps with, but your health is your business. Your right to know about potential STI transmission risk is your business. He cards his hand through his hair. I haven't, he says, and your heart throws itself against your ribcage. The tone of his voice has changed. The syllables softened. I haven't slept with anyone else, he repeats. You're not sure what to do with this information. Why it makes your chest feel strange and itchy. So you slide a finger down the bridge of his nose and say, Do you get jealous easily? Things feel safer in this territory. The land of questions, of hypotheticals. Yes, he admits. He looks tired. I do. Imagine you never see him again. Imagine this is the last time. Both of you lying in bed, his leg between yours, his hand on the back of your head, his breath ghosting across your cheek. Imagine tomorrow you leave, that your life begins, that you leave this all behind. Hermione, he says, and part of you wants to close your ears, place your hand over his mouth, not let him finish because what good can come of this? But imagine you don't. Imagine you hear him out. Imagine what your response would be, if you had the chance. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date for other chapters and stories from ETL Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo. Echoing tales of enemies to lovers.